Oliphant Jonathan Lawrence. Right through for Fuller. Fuller's beaten Larson here. And Ricardo Fuller scored for Stoke. Ten minutes to go. And it could yet be a celebratory night in the Potteries. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Wizards of Drivel podcast. A Stoke return from the Vitality Stadium with a point. It's one of those confusing little end-of-season games that asks more questions than it answers. Questions like, who can explain Mark Hughes' substitutions? What was Arnie thinking about when Joe Allen's cross came in? When will the good people of Stoke be celebrating Ramadan again? Will these, will these leaked new kits turn out to be the biggest Macron failure of the weekend? Where is Gianelli and Bula? How can Eddie possibly describe Arter's lunges as an outstanding tackle? And... Which of the podcast quartet is most likely to break down into a tragic Arsenal fan TV style Hughes out rant fan? <laughs> <laughs> to help me work out all these questions and more, I'm joined by Ben Cartwright. Good morning. Good morning. Chris, Chris Brammer. Good morning. Good morning. And Tom Thrower. Morning. Before we get into our thoughts on this game, let's have the opinion of Bournemouth fan Jamie Williams. Hi guys, Jamie here, an AFC Bournemouth fan. Just been to the game to watch AFC Bournemouth 2, Stoke City 2. Thought it was a general end of season affair with both sides clearly not going down. Got a chance at top 10, but there was just a lack of intensity from both teams. Um, I thought we were quite lucky to get a draw because obviously coming from behind twice in the game you'll be uh, disappointed not to have come away with three points having scored two goals away from home. Um, I thought in the first half there were some good chances. Uh, Stokes City are obviously quite organised, sat deep, played on the counter-attack. The first chance of note was when good play from us down the right, Adam Smith and Stanislas uh, combining, cutting inside, hitting the post. I don't know how many times you've hit the the post this season, it's ridiculous. Generally, in the first half, you were playing on the counter and you had some good opportunities, um, especially from set pieces. Where yeah, Mounier had a shot from the edge of the box, which was a good save. And then uh, Mousset, on his uh, home debut, scored an own goal. Apparently, uh, didn't I couldn't really see it from my end, but it, I thought Jeff Cameron had scored. But Mousset own goal, um, going into half time, thinking. You're going to do a job on us again like you did last season down here. Um, overall, the first half we were just not good enough. Second half we come out a bit more uh, fluid in our play. We moved the ball quicker, which uh, ended up getting us down the right-hand side um, with Smith crossing for Stanislas and uh, him tapping the ball under Button's legs. Uh, just before that, we were quite lucky actually, because Anayovic had that header from the edge of the bo- uh, from edge of the six-yard box, and he could have put the game too far away from us. Uh, overall, I thought we were going to go on and win it then when it went to one-all. But you come back as you do uh, on the counter-attack, good ball in on the right, and then it's a comical defending, scrappy goal, Juve there to tap it and, uh, under Boric. And then I did really think then you were going to sit back, waste time, and we would struggle to get the draw. So it was brilliant uh, to get the goal from Shawcross, that 
but I thought it was King, although I did think it was offside. But I, again, I couldn't tell because it was at the other end from me. Um, so if it was offside, that's unlucky for you not to get a away win because I know you've been struggling on the road. OK, chaps, let's have some three-word responses on this result. Uh, they are as follows. Imagine being ruthless, let it slip, <laughs> sack him Peter, Hughes's game management, could be worse, standard Hughes subs, a bit better, not going down. Tom, you you actually went to the Vitality Stadium. Did you have a nice time? Um, yeah, it, it was a it was a nice day on the on the seaside. It wasn't. I didn't get to go into Bournemouth and go to the beach because my housemate threw my tickets in the bin. So I had a rather <laughs> stressful morning sorting out tickets <laughs> with the Stoke Ticket Office. What? <laughs> He was cleaning the kitchen and I just sort of left them in an envelope on the side and he, he, he just threw it in the bin. So, yeah, I, uh, I've had a, I had a stressful morning. But no, it was, a, it was a nice day. The beers were flowing. Yeah, not the worst way to spend a Saturday. But um, how, did, how did Stoke's performance make you feel? Sad, <laughs> as it normally does. Yeah. I, I don't know how that game had four goals. It deserved sort of maybe half a goal. It was a pretty terrible game of football. I mean, and one, I'm, I'm, I quite like building patiently from the back and stuff, but that was just, we'll pass it along the back, guys. It means we don't have to do anything. Uh, Chris, very... uh, sorry. Uh, Chris, uh, Mark Hughes in his interview with Match of the Day said, our game plan was to frustrate Bournemouth. Uh, <laughs> Did you think that worked? And is it the kind of game plan we should be going to Bournemouth with? I am. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't see him. I didn't hear him say that. That's quite quite amusing because I would I wouldn't have said that we frustrated Bournemouth at all. Um, it was a frustrating game for us, the fans. Uh, but I don't think that was Mark Hughes's game plan at all. Um, <laughs> no, that's just such a what a weird game plan to come up with. Like it's not like. <laughs> we would expect Bournemouth to be like this possession-based side that we would frustrate and then hit on the counter-attack. Like, I mean, last year when we won there, it was through dominant football. We were the team... We went there as that typical bigger team who tried to impose itself on them. And yesterday, there wasn't really any of that. Um, As Tom said, it was just very, very lethargic again. We're using that word a lot on this podcast recently, but it was just... um, Nothing, nothing is yeah frustrating to Bournemouth is probably not the not the words I would use as a game plan. God, you guys are so ungrateful. We've waited ten hours for a Premier League away goal. We get two, and, that, and it's apparently it's boring. Uh, ben, we're safe, but is Premier League safety even worth commenting on for Stoke now? Um, I'll quickly just say in defence of Hughes on the frustrating Bournemouth point, maybe. Um, if I was to play devil's advocate, he was thinking more of, of we all remember the, how the home game went and they were just like really sort of quite ratty and maybe he meant frustrating as in trying to make them um, do some sort of horrible challenge that will be a clear red card. Um, so in that sense, maybe it worked. Um, relegation, yeah, I, I, I still think it, I still think you need to comment on, on relegation safety. We need to count our blessings. We're in the Premier League. Um, it's a very sort of, maybe an old person comment to make but I, I love being in the Premier League and I don't, I don't want to miss out on that you've seen 
Um, Blackburn on the cusp of relegation to League One yesterday. Um, I, was, I was speaking to a very emotional Blackburn fan um, with tears in his eyes. And I, I, I really don't want to be in that position. So every time we get to 40 points, or every time we get to mathematical safety, I should say, I'll be a happy man because it means another year of being in the best league in the world and, and another year of, of, of doing a podcast that people will actually listen to. So cheers <laughs> to that. <laughs> uh, I, w- I wouldn't head your bets on that. But, um, <laughs> Tom, you like stats. I've been looking at a table this morning of uh, Stoke's record in the Premier League after 36 games. And since 2010-2011, we've never had a worse points total after 36 games. Uh, the only time we had 41 points after 36 games was in 2002-13, where we all know what happened to the manager at the end of that season. Do these stats make you think... Hughes could be on his way. Um, yeah, uh, I think sort of this is the thing that will come down to. It will be a, an analysis of how many points we've gained and sort of how we've done. And it runs like the one we're on at the minute, one win in nine. And, and seeing as we've done that twice this season, I don't know what it was in the first, it might have been one in eight or something. It, it, it's nearly half the season where you've only won two games. That's not very good at all, really. And I, I think, yeah, it will come down to Hughes. I mean, the, the stat I heard before the match that nearly made me scream was that Josh King had only scored three less goals than Stoke in 2017. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <sighs> oh. Yeah, Chris, um, obviously, obviously Tom's saying there that the, the stats bode badly for the manager, but he's he's signing players on new deals he'd be certainly carrying himself like a man who will be here next season uh, are you as, as confident or as uh, sure as tom that hughes will go no no not at all sorry tom i know that you uh, you're 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 really hopeful and uh, and and as much as i as much as i think we do need a change i do now wonder whether that change will be the replacement of mark hughes um I mean, it is. It's a, it's a, it's damning stats. This year, the calendar year 2017 has been awful, but the last 18 months, I mean, you cannot f- fail to recognise that it's been awful. It, it, and we've been saying this for ages. And I think even the people who are the most ardent supporters of Mark Hughes recognise that something radical has to change this summer. I'm not as convinced, though, that Mark Hughes will be that changing point. I think... The the more that gets said, the more I just I'm I'm picturing him staying and just being given. I I I almost feel like he's built up enough credit with the board that they would be willing to give him the the opportunity to carry on. That's not my personal feelings on it. I do think that we need something a bit more radical than that. But I don't know. It's it's a safe option, isn't it? And I do just fear that that's going to happen. And I'm. And I think the scary thing with that is if that does happen and things don't improve, things will turn very, very venomous. I think you might have said it before, Tom, that it, I, I don't know if you said it on Twitter or something, or I've seen it, and it's it sort of feels like we're sleepwalking into re- a relegation battle. Like, if we don't sort something out very, very soon, then it could end really badly. We've seen where, with teams before where, where they've done all right one season and the next they're just right down there at the bottom. Um, and I, I think... What everyone needs to remember is whatever people's opinions of Hughes and whatever the people like 
like I, I think, I think it's more foresight from a lot of people saying this could go horribly wrong if Hugh stays at our football club. If you look at that league table, it looks horrible. And if if we if we stop picking up wins against teams like uh, we can't beat Bournemouth, if we stop picking up teams against uh, wins against Watford and stuff, then we'll be right down there in it. And and I think that people need to remember that everyone wants the best for the club, and and everyone doesn't want to get relegated. I think I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> yeah, uh, th- I think that's a radical stance for the podcast to take that we don't want to get relegated. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Don't at me. Uh, <laughs> um, obviously, the team was uh, had one change from the the last game. Berahino was dropped uh, to the bench with an illness, and Mame Juf came in and played centre forward. Um, Munier's remained at left back, and Mark Hughes's substitutions in this game yet again have come into question. One question for you, Ben. Seriously, what has Hughes got against Ramadan? Oh, it's 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 I I don't know. I mean, there's rumours going around online that he, he doesn't rate him, um, and I, I I don't really want to comment on that because that's pure just speculation, really. I, you never know with these things whether they're truth or not, but. If it is the case, then oh my goodness, what can what is he not seeing that everyone else can see? I mean, you mentioned earlier Tom's into stats. I'm sure the I'm not I'm not as much into stats. I'm sure the stats show that Ramadan has been bloody fantastic for me. I watched the game; he looks bloody fantastic to me whenever I've watched him play. Why on earth he's not in that team? I don't understand. I think Mark Hughes, he actually gets away with it. I've been I was thinking about it in in bed last night after watching match today, and I I think Mark Hughes gets gets away with it a bit more because Stoke. Because the national press they ignore Stoke, and and for the most part, that I think that's a good thing because we get away with, with a lot, um, well, with with some things because we go under the radar. We can just go about our business. But in terms of that substitution yesterday, Eric Peters for Marco Anelovic, I was thinking of it on a sort of on a bigger scale. If you compare that to maybe a club like Arsenal, I was thinking you're Alexis Sanchez on the left, who's on Malka Anelovic. If if you've then got Arsenal Arsenal's benches, you've got Kieran Gibbs, and you've I'll I'll put Awobi because he plays left wing, but Awobi's crap. But anyway, Awobi's <laughs> Ramadan Sobi. Um, if if Arsene Wenger instead of bringing on Awobi, he brought on Monreal, uh, he brought on Gibbs and put Monreal at left wing, he'd get hounded. He would get so much crap from the press, from the match of the day pundits. But they, the match of the day pundits, they don't know what they're talking about. Merson can't even bloody pronounce Muniesa's name on Sky Sports <laughs> News. <laughs> it's a Spanish name. Just say it. Read it how it... It's not a difficult name to pronounce. Anyway, that's not the point. I just think it's an absolutely shoddy substitution. Arguably, Ramadan Sobi's a better defensively than Arnautovic. So, like, that argument, like, that, oh, he brought it... Um, he brought Peters on to shore up uh, the defence. It's crap. I, I don't understand it. Ramadan Sobi is a perfect substitution in that in that point of the game to get a winner for Stoke and he wasn't brought on and I do not understand what goes on in Mark Hughes' head to bring Peters on for Arnautovic it's an absolute disgrace <laughs> um, strong words Chris do you think Sobby will be so frustrated in, in the summer that he'll start to think maybe I should play for a team where I actually get game time oh, God I hope not I really hope not because like he when he has played this season he's been a really really good player. Um I I I share Ben's frustrations. I I don't really understand what the issue is. Um I think again he's a player who w- I think maybe he'd be completely justified to be frustrated because 
there is no rational reason, at least in public, as to why he hasn't played. Um, I, I hope not. I hope not, not Dave, but I, you could see it happening and you could see it happening with quite a few players this uh, this summer. Well, one of those players we've talked about potentially leaving in the summer is Mark Munieza. Tom, a question here from John Dykes on Twitter. Lose money or play him at left-back forever, which is worse? Um, probably playing him at left-back forever because as much as I adore the bloke and he just is probably one of the, the, the footballers who we will all remember for, for years to come playing for Stoke, but he... He can't play left back. Sort of, uh, he got caught out for both of the goals at the weekend, and it really feels goal, horrible. Where was he at all? I just, I just, I had to rewind match of the day to to spot him on the pitch. Yeah, it's just that lack of positional awareness that I think comes with the fact that he is a centre back, and I feel sorry for him and Eric Peters because I think Eric Peters has looked like he needed a rest all season, but we only have one genuine left back. Which comes to transfers again and, and, and does my nut. Just quickly on the uh, the Ramadan Sobi stats, I've just checked. And he's got the most dribbles completed aside from Julian and Goy per 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Mooney... Oh, I don't know. If we don't sign Bruno, I think he could do a good job at centre-half. But I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, well, of course, uh, there's rumours inbound about centre-halves and potential purchases and departures. Uh, ben, John Terry, would you, <laughs> would you take him down the bet 365? Captain leader legend is won Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues and FA Cups galore. He's a England international. He's done. He's been there and done it at the top level of the game and we should be snapping Chelsea's hand off to have JT, our hero, our mate, <laughs> down Stoke, I th- right? I think I said something witty about it when we were talking about it yesterday, Dave, and I've completely forgot what that was. So I'm just going to have to say I really, really... <laughs> Why say that? Why say that, man? <laughs> Top quality podcast content from Ben. Well, I did I say really... something about... Something witty about it in the past, but I, I won't bless the podcast with it. Yeah, well, I'll leave, I'll leave it to your imaginations because it'll probably be better there than what I could come up with. Um, I think we heard a figure of £100,000 a week, um, which would be an absolute... That would be another disgrace. There'll be a, a handful of disgraces because that's just a stupid amount of money. We should be signing marquee players for that amount of money and I, I'm not disputing John Terry has done a good job for Chelsea over the years but he's lost it if he was any if he was any good at all they wouldn't be letting him go to Stoke and he's just not what we need at all he's, he's old he's slow adding to an already pretty old pretty slow team um, there was talks about oh he's a good leader to bring in he can he can teach some lessons and whatever I mean, how much bloody money do you want to spend on some lessons? £100,000 a week, you'd have it a laugh. <laughs> I'm sure there's some form of sort of tutoring that can go on that's a bit cheaper than £100,000 a week. Um, yeah, if we sign John Terry, I will be quite upset because I just think we've wasted a lot of money, um, or Hughes has wasted a lot of money, we haven't wasted it, on um, on players now. I mean... Imbula is just like so much money just sitting there wasted. If we 
and he shouldn't be wasted. But if we if we do that on Jan Terry, I just it just it sort of I don't know it will just get to me because it's just a stupid amount of money for a player that is surely not going to play a big part in our team. I I can't imagine John Terry getting in. I he's not better than Shawcross. He's not better at, at, than Bruno Martins Indy. And he's I would I would prefer Mark Muniesa at centre back as you've just said. What is he doing on our side? Yeah, Tom. There there were reports during the week that perhaps the Bruno Martins Indy deal has hit a snag, and I think as Ben's just alluded to there, a partnership of Terry and Shawcross, whilst experienced, would not be the most mobile. What what does the backline need next season? It needs Bruno Martins Indy. I don't think there's anybody else who could be more perfect. I mean, he's he's so intelligent as a defender. He reads the game beautifully. He's so comfortable bringing the ball out of the defence. I, I just I just love the bloke. Yeah, I was I was at the at the Bournemouth match when the um, when the coach arrived and someone shouted to Bruno sign your contract and he, he laughed so I'm taking that as a sign that he's definitely signing his contract and he's going to stay or he's just laughing at him and like sign a contract for this lot no just laughed in his face what I would mean, you you, you you guys are forgetting though that I mean in the summer one of the best centre-backs we've ever had comes back to the club in Philip Volscheid so you know who needs Bruno when we've got big Phil Yet more pace. He played. He played yesterday. <laughs> oh as well, my god! I think for Wolfsburg for the first. He did. Months. I just just picture a defence. One time Shawcross gets injured and it's Falshaid and John Terry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think John Terry would like that at all. Um, <laughs> he, he, he needs a he needs a quick mobile centre half to uh, just cover his mistakes, doesn't he? Yeah. Sido dropped to the bench with illness, we're, we're told. Juve uh, comes in, Juve scores, Juve gets substituted. <laughs> Chris, uh, what, what did you make of the uh, the Juve's performance and his eventual substitution? It, it's weird, because yesterday I thought Juve was really good, and I thought that he had a, a really, really good game, and I enjoyed watching him. And then going on social media after the game, I was met by people who thought the opposite and thought that he'd had a relatively bad game and that he couldn't control the ball and that Mark Hughes was was right to to get him off. Um, from a, from my point of view, I thought he had a good game. He gave us a pacey outlet. He was direct in his running, um, and it was kind of that direct threat that we've not really had for a while. I mean, Sido has been getting better and better, but I know I thought Juve had a good game. Um, but the, but yeah, I don't know if I'm now wrong in that because people told me that I was wrong. So I'm, it, it's so it's so weird that there was no real shades of grey in that one. It was either he, I, he was either really good or really bad. And I don't know what you thought of him yesterday, Tom, but I just thought maybe it's because I just like him and I'm happy to see him play. But I thought he was okay yesterday, didn't you? Yeah, I know. I thought he was probably our best player because he, he, he posed sort of a constant threat to Bournemouth. I just think there's something about special about Juve that when he misses a chance, he makes it look so bad. He makes it look <laughs> as if he's never played up front before. Whereas sort of like it, it, conversion rates are like 10 shots for a goal, pretty much. 
And I think Juve does that on his day. You sort of see him have, like he had for his goal, he had to take two bites at it to try and get it in. I just think people see him missing them in such a comedic manner and think, oh, he's crap. But he was our best player on the pitch and no offence to John Walters, but he's never going to be able to stretch a defence like Juve was doing. And it was the, just both the subs were just absolutely bonkers. Yeah. It just didn't make any sense. There was there was an annoying thing. Um, match of the day picked up. On yeah. it when they when they said that oh Juve he's he's not scored in twenty five appearances for Stoke since the end of last season. And it's like yeah. Do you know do you know why? Because he's been played at right wing back. <laughs> like, he's not <laughs> he's not been played as a striker. Um, I I do think that Juve comes in for a lot of slack. Um, because because you're right, the comedic way he misses chances. Um, but I agree. I think that stats-wise, he's exactly the that type of level of striker that we should have. Um, I just think it's been such a shame for him that he's not had a regular slot up front for um, for a good while. It's a shame because he does he does bring goals to the team. Yeah, you get the sense if he added composure in the penalty area to his game that he'd be uh, an unbelievable striker and, and well beyond sort of our our level. But alas, he's uh, he he just yeah he's got this like panic in in the penalty area sometimes, which unfortunately kind of makes people see past all that he does bring to the team his his movement, his positioning, his. He's an underrated cross of the ball, in my opinion. Uh, and his hard work, whilst at right wing back, we've kind of all taken for granted to some extent as well. Um, question for you, Ben. Is Harry Arter that type of player? Well, to be honest, I don't think there's a single player in the world of football that is more of that type of player than Harry Arter. I think I don't mind him as a player. Um, I think he's he's got a decent pass in him and a nice left foot and he's very combative and I don't think that should be frowned upon. But at times he definitely goes over the top with his aggression and I think that's the case here. Um, he's, I mean, Eddie Howe has come out after the game and said it's this sensational tackle and, and it's he's caught it clean as a whistle. Um, he has hit the ball, but at the same time with the other leg, he's completely clattered into Joe Allen and and if Joe was was at another point in his stride um, it's a cliche but it's a leg breaker if, if his foot is locked into the ground with studs um, with with Harry Arter's studs coming into his ankle then then that's it and then that's his season and potentially a, a large part of next season over so I think the only way to deal with this sort of tackle is, is a sending off um, I don't think that should ever change Eddie Howe again he, he sort of made out that that in the olden days, in the golden days, that it wouldn't have been a sending off. But but I don't care what it is in the olden days. Now football is a very different game, and and he should have been shown that that red card. Uh, Chris, can you see any justification for Eddie Howe referring to Arsenal's challenge as an outstanding tackle and one that w- wouldn't <laughs> have been booked uh, a booking in uh, previous years? Uh. Y- Yes, I can see that it wouldn't have been a booking in previous years, like, you know, in the 70s or something, but it was not acceptable by today's standards. Um, it was a reckless challenge, a completely reckless. Um, it, yeah, he, he he gets the ball, but he just goes completely through it. Um, I I don't think in this in this current game, 
there is any call to defend such a tackle because it's awful and it could have caused some serious injury but um but anyhow on on the to try and be balanced towards him even though Bournemouth are little shits um <laughs> he, uh, he he's just, he is just doing what you'd think any manager would do he he did say Oh, I, I thought it was a, uh, just a hard to hitting tackle. I've not seen the replay. Blah 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 blah. So it, I mean, I don't know if it was if it was the reverse. Would we be trying to defend it? Probably not. But it, yeah, I'm not. I'm not fuming that Eddie Howe tried to come out and defend it. It was just an awful tackle. Uh, what one thing that annoyed me on match of the day was as the. As it all kicked off from the result of that challenge, the match today commentator was instantly like, "Stokes players surround the referee," and it in in picture at that moment was literally Josh Shawcross just talking to the referee. On the <laughs> like, yeah, we're doing what we're supposed to do. Can you can everyone calm down? One final point from this game I want to talk about is Marko Anatovic uh, missed a golden opportunity to make it two 0 just before Bournemouth's equaliser. What have we made of Arnie's kind of recent slump? It it seems to me a bit like his his head's down a bit, and he's yeah. he's not approaching games with the swagger that he used to. Tom, do you have any idea why this is? Um, yeah, I think it probably just seems to be a lack of confidence from everyone. I think it was actually quite a difficult chance. The ball was rising, and sort of Marko Arnautovic. I, I can't really remember him scoring many headed goals, but obviously it was pretty much a sitter but uh, yeah he's missed a few uh, maybe it's playing on his mind that sort of he's become the team's sole outlet for goals most of the time and sort of that's a burden that he's not desperately enjoying I don't know I, I, I couldn't really put my finger on one thing uh, Ben does do, do we need more competition up front do we need a, a striker do we need an attacking midfielder do we need another winger uh, what what are our options going forward this summer? I think in terms of a winger, we have a perfectly fine winger on the bench in the form of Ramadan Sobi, but we've already said enough about him in this episode and many episodes before. We've got an attacking midfielder that, that could definitely do a job. Um, I mean, I'd like to see him starting, but he could do a job off the bench um, in the form of Bojan, who's obviously not even at the club at the moment. And then, as well, we mentioned in the last episode how, how many strikers we've got. We've got Probably too many strikers. I think the issue is Arnautovic is running low on confidence. There's something playing on his mind that something needs to be sorted out. Maybe someone needs to have a word with him. Maybe Mark Hughes can can use his sort of man management um, skills to sort of say to Arnie, look, we've got a couple of games left in the season. Absolutely no pressure on you. Um, just go out there and enjoy your football and then we'll see what happens. The worry, as I've already mentioned, is we, we're kind of sleepwalking into this older squad. I mean... We we always mention how it was it was said that we were going to get a younger squad, but we're we're just signing contracts with older older players, and and I'm worried that if we don't either sort out our our transfers in and getting players that are, are young and decent, and um, that we're going to have a squad that's aged and and it isn't suitable for the Premier League. That's that is the worry. Guys, Sam Davis here from Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. To all yesterday, fairly happy with the result. At least it means that we're safe in the Premier League for another season, which for a club our size is absolutely huge. 
frustrating game yesterday. A bit of a non-event. It was two teams that were relatively safe. And Bournemouth usually start off with their high-intensity, high-tempo. But Stoke did everything well. They'd obviously done their research. Mark Hughes lined up his team so well. They were so compact at the back. Bournemouth couldn't penetrate at all. And as a result, we were getting very frustrated. I think that was characterised by that Harry Arter tackle, which... On Joe Allen, which uh, you know, when you look back at it, it was it was awful. Could have been it could have been a leg breaker. He is that type of player, uh, and I know he won the ball, but he was lucky to get a yellow there. So we should have probably been down to ten men. But when Stoke took the lead, it it wasn't exactly a surprise. Um, it's it was unfortunate the way it went in, but yeah, we were happy to bring it back to one all. Um, and then your man who hasn't been on the score sheet for ages <laughs> made it 2-1. And then um, Josh King was instrumental in the second. Now, match of the day saying it wasn't offside. I, I tend to agree after you see it from a certain angle. But I thought Stoke lined up really well. Shakiri um, was instrumental in the middle. He's just got such a low centre of gravity and he can really create things. It's, it's such a shame that in the past he's been, his form's been all over the place. But um uh, he, he he did really well yesterday. Um, I think you can be going for a top 10 finish. I really do. Um, Bournemouth hopefully will be, you know, finishing there or thereabouts. But what a dull game, really. I know it had four goals, but match of the day rightly placed it last on the listings because um, it was it was awful. So many mistakes. Not a great advert for League One football, let alone Premier League. However, two all... Fair result and onwards and upwards for both clubs, hopefully. Thanks very much. Dave, why are you asking the listeners for money again? Well, Chris, it's because the Wizards of Drivel are now on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that allows people to support their favourite creators by pledging a small amount of money per month. So a listener's going to have to pay for the podcast? Because to be honest, I don't think people want to buy a weekly moan at Mark Hughes. No, Ben, the usual weekly podcast will always be free to everyone who wants to listen. This is just for people who can afford to support the podcast in order to help us keep going next season. Ben, Ben, I'm not sure I think I can trust Dave with a large transfer budget to rebuild this podcast. I think we should go and look for a presenter abroad with some new ideas. Steady on, Chris. All money pledged to us will be 100% reinvested back into the podcast. From playing off SoundCloud subscriptions, website fees and funding improvements to the overall quality of the pod. From microphones to interviews. Yeah, but if you're a supporter of us on Patreon, what do you get out of it? Well, aside from the warm glow you get from helping out an independent podcast about Stoke City, patrons will get extra stuff just for them. If you pledge $1 a month, which is mere pennies at least for the moment, you'll get back a bunch of exclusive content, videos, blogs, mini-podcasts, that kind of thing. And if you pledge $3 a month, you'll get two extra Wizards of Drivel podcasts monthly. How does a listener become a patron then, Dave? They go to www.patreon.com forward slash Wizards of Drivel. And if they can and want to, can select the rewards that suit them. It's entirely voluntary. And if you don't have the spare cash or just don't want to, we won't think any the less of you. And of course, we're happy to talk through any questions you might have about this via email or social media. Right, I think that's just about enough for the Bournemouth game. Uh, one other point of the point of discussion from the week uh, that I wanted to talk about. Two pictures of what we're pretty sure are our new kits for next season have surfaced online. Chris, you've got a keen eye for design. What did you make of Macron's latest offering? Oh, they're interesting, aren't they? 
Very interesting. Um, what I what I really like about them is that they've clearly took inspiration from like pro evolution soccer, where it's like knockoff kits, um, and, and that's what they've gone for. I mean, uh, uh, the the away kit especially, I think, is uh, a bit is very ugly. Um, the home kit, uh, I'm not I'm not too offended by it. I like the it looks like it's got a seventies style collar, which resembles the Dutch flag, um, so I'm all for that because you know that, that means we're going we're going to sign Bruno Martins Indy. Obviously, we've oh my god, we've actually made we've 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 put his national flag on the shirt, so he joins us. Excellent. Um, it's not the best kit in the world, is it? Um, and that that away kit is pretty horrendous. There are rumours of a third kit coming out, um, and Stoke Loud and Proud suggested that we're all going to love the third white kit. Um, which, who knows, it might, I mean, going on the other two, we might not, but it'll be interesting. They're, they're revealed on Monday the 8th, aren't they? So that's tomorrow or whenever, or Monday, if you're listening past Monday. They've already been revealed. What did you think of them? Tweet us and let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not that fussed on them. I don't know if I'll really, I won't be getting any probably so nah. and Tom have seen them described as relegation kits from some quarters um, <laughs> do, do, do you worry that sometimes the kit a team wears is so bad that it can have an adverse effect on the team because we, we've had this before in Stoke history where we wore a pinstripe tone shirt that wasn't red and white stripes at all and we finished <laughs> bottom of the top division with the lowest ever points total for that time is it is the same going to happen away from home next season where we're just so embarrassed to play in our shirts that we just completely wilt? I think it could. I think it could because uh, if we look at if we look at the history Macron have with teams like this, uh, I think they did Villa's kit when they went down, and that was a very bad kit as well. So yeah, maybe that's what the problem was at Aston Villa. Maybe it was Macron. I quite like the home shirt. I think I'm the only person who says that. But yeah, that away kit is vile. It's horrid. <laughs> I think as long as the as long as the home kit is red and white stripes of a decent thickness, no one's going to be offended by it, are they? Like, <laughs> like as long as it like yeah, they don't go to pinstriped or. I mean, the fear was that that red and white like uh, hooped design or whatever that the away shirt's got on was going to be the home shirt, and that Macron had gone and ditched our famous red and white. And thank goodness that's not the case, but. Oh, um, yeah, it's not, they're not the worst, but that home, that away <laughs> kit, yeah, awful. Um, yeah, Macron like came with like a bad reputation from people who know more about these things than me. And I quite like the, these season's kits. I, I, I really like the away one. I, I know I'm not, um, totally in the majority with that, but yeah, I, I think they've, They've done okay so far, but yeah, that away kit just looks like uh, it's been knocked up on paint or something. Um, another thing that caught my eye this week uh, was Stoke Loud and Proud going on a kind of frenzy of information uh, from all quarters, from players uh, signing new contracts to potential pre-season news, and what they're reporting is that we're going to Dortmund in the summer. Chris, you're more of a Dortmund fan than you are a Stoke fan, I think. So <laughs> what do you make of that? 
oh that's like that's a must a must go to game for anyone if if it's playing Dortmund at the Signal Iduna Park rather than like in some training camp in Austria as we've done in the past um then it is a must go to for everyone because like it it's a ground that needs experiencing and i mean that's if we play Dortmund that's probably one of the biggest foreign teams we've played in a in a long while um I can't think of the last like big European team coming and playing Stoke would be. Um, yeah, yeah, we, we yeah. played Real Madrid. I think season oh, we, we got promoted. We got promoted, in yes, we did, we did. I mean, I, I want to refute Dave. I'm not more of a Dortmund fan than I'm a Stoke fan. <laughs> before we get the before we get the emails coming in, uh, but no, it's uh, if it's a pre-season to Dortmund playing at Dortmund. Everyone should go because that would be an amazing trip. Um, it's such a fun ground. It's a nice city, and whilst we probably wouldn't win against Dortmund, it'd be fun to go and uh, say, "Oh, we we played Dortmund once at their ground, and it wasn't the worst day ever." I don't know. I'm I want to go. I want to go. If if it all becomes true, then I think we need to sort out a bus, and everyone can come with us. And it can be the Wizards of Drivel do Germany. And we can record it. And it'll be like... ITV many years ago did a program called The Booze Cruise. And it was all like <laughs> middle, middle-aged men driving across to do a booze cruise. And they got into some <laughs> hilarity. One of them tried to bring a machine gun back into the country. Lol. <laughs> and I, and I, that's how I'm imagining what we're going to do if we go to, to Dortmund. Yes, um... A Wizards of Drivel trip to Dortmund is definitely uh, something we're considering. Uh, <laughs> Patreon. Um, <laughs> Tom, Tom, are you excited? Yeah, Dortmund. Yeah, please. It's on the bucket list to uh, to go and watch football there and to go and watch Stoke there. I'm pretty sure we won't <laughs> see Stoke play there ever in competitive football. So, yeah, should probably go. Is the uh, is the Wizards equivalent of that trying to steal a machine gun? Going to be us trying to steal Emre Moore, just sort of pick him up and just, just engage in some mild human trafficking. <laughs> but it's all for the banter, so it'll be funny. <laughs> um, one final thing on the game before we go. We've just had this tweet from Alex Salt, uh, who says, We drawn this game because off one player, Mark Manieza. He has been shit all game. Two goals came from his position. Um, how do we feel about that? It's a very angry tweet, uh, but <laughs> but I mean the the sentiment probably isn't wrong. He didn't have the best game yesterday. He isn't a left back, um, and it's that question again: Do we want to see him suffer at left back or not be in the team at all? Um, it's it's sad, but I mean the sentiment is is correct. Even if you shouldn't take that tone with Mooney. Listen, he's done nothing wrong for you to get so angry at him. Don't be so mean. Don't be so mean sounds like the perfect way to end the show, to be honest. So thank you very much for listening to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. Next week's episode will mark exactly one year since our first ever episode. So thank you so much to those who've stuck with us for that long. But whether you're a long-term listener or a plastic new fan, we want your help to help this podcast grow. We'd really appreciate it if you could do what you could to share the pod, from retweeting it, to replying to our oatcake thread, to leaving us a review on iTunes. 
They may sound like little things, but they make such a big difference, and the more people we reach, the better. So hopefully, we can make the show better. Speaking of which, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can support us on Patreon. Patreon allows you to support this podcast by pledging a small amount of money per month, which will then reinvest back into the show, making it better in whatever way we can. If you pledge $3 a month on Patreon, not only will you have helped us out, but you'll get exclusive Wizards of Drivel content, including two extra episodes just for you every month. I know it can get tedious listening to appeals for support, but we're feeling very much like Mark Hughes at the moment. Whatever you've made of us this season, good, bad or indifferent, we believe next season things will be better, and we'd like your help (laughs) to reach our lofty ambitions. As a great man once said, la saison prochaine, ça ira mieux. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Tom. Cheers. Go on, Stoke.